again, everyone, and welcome to episode 86 of Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three different generations, three hot takes on sports and pop culture. I'm Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Jared Fatel is also on the phone of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids. Our partners include Main Street Pizza with locations throughout mid-Michigan, the Corona Connection, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, Sheridan Auction Service, and Card Service. Michiana. Thanks also to our website network teammate, Sports Radio Detroit, and our radio home, Z92.5 The Castle. You like what you hear? Help us out and continue to grow. Subscribe on Apple Podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, all the other podcast hosting sites. You can also follow us and hit us up with comments on social media at 3 Point Pod. Now, the one question I have is, are you getting enough football? The Lions don't lose in the desert for a change, but it still sucked. Michigan needs two overtimes to get by Army, and MSU rolls Western. We'll talk about that and quite a few other topics right after this. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. Okay, so story time from Jared. And it's going to wrap right into the Michigan. It's going to have a nice little tie-in at the end to it. So to set the stage, Saturday I went to the Michigan State for Western game for my job. Uh, it was a night game, so we didn't get back until, you know, 1 o'clock probably because we had to stay for post. Then we had to edit. So then I'm driving home, and it's about 3 a.m. at this point. So I go to the gas station, and I'm almost out of gas. We're hitting E, so I pull into the gas station. And this is a gas station kind of in a, a bad part of town a little bit. And for some odd reason, it's not letting me pay with my card at the pump. So then I have to go inside, you know, go through the whole ordeal, waiting in line inside to pay the clerk for my gas. While I'm there, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of hungry. Uh, diet not going so well lately. So I kind of cruise over to the snack aisle, grab a, grab a bag of chips and grab uh, one of those, like, rolls of donuts, which aren't very good. Whenever I get those, those, like, pre-made donuts uh like chocolate covered i wonder why did i even get these they're horrible they're super dry but anyway so i grab my stacks i get in line right before i do uh two american gentlemen come in and it's 3 a.m i mind you and they are wearing what i can describe as like a, a varsity letterman coat and they go right up to, one of them has a pimp cane i don't know if it was a pimp but it was a cane and it had like a diamond or of some sort on the end of it so they come in they're right ahead of me and they want a hundred dollars worth of lottery tickets so my first thought is wow this is going to take forever to get all these lottery tickets so they're going through and he's naming off the lottery tickets that he wants and i'm just standing behind them you know with my snacks in my hand uh like like badass kind of so then i'm just kind of waiting there and 
somewhere along the line, things turn sour on this, um, this, I don't even know, purchasing of these lottery tickets where he loses his mind. The man with the cane loses his mind. He goes, why are you giving me that look? I said, I want the lottery ticket. Why is it taking you 20 minutes to get the lottery ticket? Just grab it and hand it to me. (laughs) And he proceeds to then let out a few uh, racial slurs, similar to what Antonio Brown said to Mike Mayock. (laughs) And he then pounds. So in between the cash register and the rest of the store, there's, it's like, plastic like covering the clerk that's when you know you're not in the best maybe not the best part no of no no and so he starts pounding on this door and i don't know if he notices that i'm behind him or not but i'm literally just standing there like my eyes kind of like darting back and forth just kind of like sorry this is starting to get a little bit out of control he then proceeds to reach underneath the plastic covering to try to grab his 50 dollars that he paid for at this point i'm like kind of starting to get on edge I then proceed to go back to the snack aisle and act like, oh, shoot, I forgot to grab, uh, like, these bags, this bag of chips. I go back over to the bag of chips start, like, acting like I'm right through, like, oh, I grabbed the wrong thing. And at which point the guy closes up the plastic thing, finally gets the guy's hand out, and he picks up the phone. Those guys immediately, like, book it out of the gas station. And I'm like, what do I do at this point? Like, if you were me, like, do you, oh, do you go, like, buy the snacks? Do you go pay for your gas? Do you wait? That was the question I was going to ask. So you said you were having credit card problems, so you had to pay for your gas inside, right? Yes. So, so then I said, okay, I'm going to go pay. Oh, boy. And I'm a little bit on edge here, so I, I pay. I walk outside, and sure enough, they're standing there. We make eye contact with each other. We both look at each other, and I shit you not, the guy goes, I didn't even know you were in there. If I would have known you were in there, things might have got a little bit different. I was like, oh, yeah, I was just getting some snacks. Like, I literally speed walk about as fast as I can to my car and whiz out as fast as I can. Wow. So what this, what the way I'm tying this into Michigan is that feeling of fright and not necessarily fright, but just agitation and kind of, yeah, I guess fright's a good word, pales in comparison to how I felt watching this absolute horrid Michigan team perform against on Saturday. I, I tell you what. Josh Gaddis has no idea what he's doing. That was my biggest takeaway, and I am scared for the future of Michigan football knowing that he's going to be one calling plays because I'll tell you what, he's clueless, folks. Well, I'll tell you what, you set the stage real nice here in the comparison. I like that, Jared. And I've been there myself one one time uh, in Flint, but I'll, I'll move on from there. All right, so we know you think Michigan was horrid. Let's get Matt's opinion before I jump in. Am I allowed to talk now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's a great story. I, I, the whole time I was going to ask you, Jared, I, I'd be curious where you were at because you said it wasn't the best part of town. So I'd be curious where you were at. But, but yeah, I mean, Terp talked about it last week, you know, our, our guest that we had on last week talking about Michigan. This is Gaddis's first run at calling plays. You know, he's been an offensive coach at other stops, but he was never the primary play caller. So this is his first time, and, you know, Harbaugh still says it's 100%. It's, it's Gaddis's job to call plays. So, I mean, it, there is going to be a learning curve there. You can practice all off season, and it's one thing. We, we knock the NFL preseason games, but that's one thing in college. You don't have any preseason games. So sometimes these first couple games are almost like your preseason games to work out some kinks and see what kind of plays actually work in, you know, in a game and all that kind of stuff. And I that's – I, I totally understand the frustration. I'm still on the side that this offense does still look different than the years past. They're still passing more. Uh, they averaged 26 pass attempts per game last year. They're passing it like 31, 32 times. So they are passing the ball more. They're trying to run the read option. It's kind of weird because 
Shea doesn't look like he's ever pulling the ball. He, it's just like a straight give every time. So I don't know what's going on there. But I, so I'm. It's not like exciting, you know. They're two and zero. I think the bye week. This is a perfect time for a bye week. Hopefully, they can look at the tape, and Gaddis can sit here, you know, after two games of being the guy calling the plays, and he can maybe sit back and you know maybe some things worked, some things didn't. And him and Harbaugh and the rest of the offensive staff can be like, all right, we got some stuff to figure out because if we play like this going into Madison and the rest of their Big Ten schedule, they're not going to make it out with less than two or three losses. There was only one positive, really, that I – well, two positives. Number one, they got the W. Okay, that's the most important. Number two, I thought their defense played pretty well. Yeah, Army was cranking, you know, three, three and a half yards a carry. They converted, I think, three first, three fourth down plays. They had the ball a lot, but Michigan's defense played pretty strong. The big question I have is, and it is a question that I would direct at Coach Gaddis, <clears throat> you know, if you're going to run, you know, your running back, Charbonnet, 33 times, and this almost goes back to Harbaugh, then why in the hell don't you go back to the fullback? And if that's if that's what you're going to run, okay. But what happened to the RPO? And the, you know, you mentioned it a little bit. That what happened to Patterson? You know, running that and and then doing the option. I mean, did they do that much in the game at all? It's hilarious how Matt, especially you're still holding off hope, man. I told you after week one, and it's only true after week two. The writing is on the wall for this team. They suck. There's no other way to put it. They suck. Gaddis, as I mentioned before, yeah, there's like he's running Charbonnet. Listen to this stat line. 33 carries for 100 yards. Zach Charbonnet, the guy that Matt was going gaga over last week over how good he was. 33 carries, 100 yards. And, and, and I almost wish that they would have lost this game just so that, like, Army could, like, deserve it. Like, I like Army. Everyone loves Army. Like, at least they could have, like, won it. Finally gotten over the hump. They went to overtime with Oklahoma last year. Maybe finally they'd win because – Maybe that could have brought them some joy, whereas Michigan, you know that that loss is coming. And Matt, sounds like you think it's it's just going to be, and I'd be curious to hear what you have to say, but it sounds like you think that they're going to get it to figure it out. They're not going to. Might as well lower your expectations now. Well, I will jump in to. with this. Matt's still, I'm sure, thinking. Charbonnet is going to be an excellent running back. Yeah, 33 carries, but he did have three touchdowns, and he had 100 yards. So he, he seems to be the guy, if you're going to have your running back, he's going to do nothing but get better. My biggest concern, what's going on with Patterson? I mean, you got to protect the football again. And did, they, did he have some sort of injury that they're hiding? I mean, what's going on? I mean, they've said that his oblique was injured. Gaddis said that he, he was nursing an oblique injury, but Harbaugh said he was 100% healthy. So who knows what's going on there. But that, that's what it seemed like to me, like on some of his throws – Maybe he wasn't able to drive the ball because of his oblique, or maybe that's why he wasn't running. Maybe that's why he wasn't pulling the ball on the read option because he was a little banged up. So hopefully maybe this bye week will help him out. Yeah, because that's the thing. If if he's not healthy to the point where you're not able to run your offense, this offense was supposed to be the RPO, was supposed to be a read option. If he's not healthy to the extent that you can't run those plays, then, yeah, McCaffrey should be in there because if, you know, if, if Patterson's not – blowing the doors off the defense and you're having to change your play calling because he's not healthy, then, yeah, you need to bring in your backup. But, I mean, yeah, I I am still super excited about Charbonnet because one reason, he's a true freshman, and when he looks as good as he does as a true freshman, I kind of don't know how you're not excited. I mean, yeah, you'd like to see more than three yards per carry with 33 carries, but, 
I mean, he's still he's looking like a workhorse back. First workhorse back Michigan's seen since probably Mike Hart. You know, a guy that you can give the ball 33 times and, and he's going to carry the load. So, you know, I, one thing, Army's defense also, Army's a good team. You know, they're not going to challenge for the national championship or anything like that, obviously, but they're a good team. Obviously, everyone's talked about how they gave Oklahoma a run last year. You know, that's been talked about, you know, at nauseum. But they did. They gave, they took Oklahoma to overtime last year, and Oklahoma made the college football playoff. And so, you know, some people did forget that. The other thing, too, about it is they held Kyler Murray last year in that Oklahoma game to his worst performance of the year. He averaged about 300, 350 yards passing per game last year, and he only passed for 160 yards against Army. So it was his worst passing performance. And Oklahoma's offense last year, every game that they didn't play Army scored 50 points per game. They only scored 28 against Army. So I know that's last year's team. It's a different year. But, you know, people are acting like Army is like some pushover Louisiana Monroe type team. And they're they're a legitimate team. They make teams uncomfortable. And so, yeah, again, like we said last week when Michigan kind of struggled with MTSU, you'd much rather see them, you know, run over teams like Ohio State has been or whatever. But, you know, maybe this is a learning experience. They had to grind some wins out. Like, you know, Ted, I saw you tweeted after the game that they didn't necessarily deserve to win. To me, the defense went out and won the game. I mean, they I don't know, like, deserve to win. Who deserves to win? The team that scored the most points. But to me, they went out and won the game. I mean, they, they turned the ball over. They forced turnovers. I, I don't know. I, yeah. They had, they had to grind out a win. I would rather see them grind out a win than just blow someone out 79 to 7. Like I said, I'll take the win. If there was if you if I was going to lose one game this year, that I'd I'd rather lose to Army than anybody else cuz they gave a hell of an effort. And the reason I I said that Saturday, everything was fresh, you know. Now that we've had a couple days we're recording this on Tuesday the 10th, I've mellowed just a little bit, but I was angry just like Jared during that game. And when I said that they blew it or Michigan didn't deserve to win, Think about the pass that Army threw down there deep down the field that Michigan picked off and saved the game. I mean, Army gets a field goal there. You think Michigan wins that game? You think it even goes to overtime? I don't. Yeah, who knows? And I mean, I think I don't. I don't know if you guys remember. I think Harbaugh, he would if they would have ended up. Michigan would have ended up losing this game. He'd have a lot of questions to answer because in the fourth quarter they went for it a couple times. Yes. Uh, on fourth down, one time they could have kicked a field goal to try and take the lead. And the second time, it was about at midfield. They went for it and got absolutely stuffed. Terrible calls. It's, yeah, it's just like, man, if they didn't pull that out, he, he would have had some questions to answer. I'm fine with those moves. you got to have some pride. What is it with Army? Wherever they go, the opposing team sings their fight song. And what's up with the middle of the game? Why does Army have like a fan section on the field? <laughs> I get that it's Army. I get that they serve our country. But, I mean, there's got to be some rules in place. You can't have a whole student on the field. I think that might affect the game a little bit. Secondly, the Oklahoma versus Army last year, Matt, that's a, that's a lazy take. Army last year is Oklahoma's biggest kryptonite. I mean, the way that they play, they control the ball. That's why Kyler Murray's stats are down, because they had the ball the whole game. And, and you really think Oklahoma, probably the worst defense in history, was going to be able to stop Army's rushing attack? No. And, and just the way that, and you guys are sitting here talking about Zach Charbonnet, how he's going to be good in the future. I thought that we said it was, if not this year, then when for this Michigan program? We don't have time for him to become a better back. He is what he is, and what he is right now is 33 carries for 100 yards against Army. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I understand three yards per carry isn't ideal, but I'm not going get to get mad at a guy for 
33 carries for 100 yards and three touchdowns. When's the last time okay, Michigan's the had a back who can do that, especially a true freshman? Someone's got to score the touchdowns. I almost like don't even count. It's not like he was busting off 50-yard touchdowns. He's punching in goal line touchdowns. He could have thrown in, I don't know, Brady Hoke could have punched those. Ted could have punched those <laughs> touchdowns then back in his day. And it's just the way that, like, Shea looks sloppy. And it goes. it all comes back to Josh Gaddis. He's problem number one, two, and three with this team. Putting McCaffrey in for one play in the, in the third quarter, like he thinks it's like Madden or something. I, I, it's like he's uh, his play calls are just confusing. And Ted, for you to sit there and say like, "Oh, it was we as a win," quote unquote, you said on Twitter mid game, "This is disaster for Michigan." Yeah, Disa- that, that's what I thought. Points. You're right. It, it was not. Did they play a good game? In my opinion, no. They got lucky to come away with a win. In my viewpoint. I haven't I haven't changed my opinion on that. I guess my point is is like sometimes you have to win ugly and you're not going to win every single game by 60 points or whatever. I mean, yeah, Alabama or Clemson have had some seasons like that it seems like, but you know, I think Michigan is also still with a new offensive coordinator and it's not excuses. It's just saying, you know, they've had to work out some kinks with this offense and would you like to see better execution? Of course. But I'm not going to get mad at a team grinding out a win. Now, the biggest thing will be, after a bye week, like I said, after a bye week, having the chance to look at some tape and hopefully get healthy, if they go into Madison and and play like they did these first two games, then, yeah, that's going to tell a lot to me because Wisconsin's playing really well. They're, I'm pretty sure they're ranked top ten in the country right now. So, I mean, they're, they can't just go into Madison and think they're going to be able to kind of play the way they have the last couple of weeks and, and win a game. They're going to have Jonathan Taylor running all over them if that's the case. So we're two, that's what I want to see. How do, how do they adjust after this bye week? Yeah, we're two weeks in, all right, and we know Jared is completely frustrated, completely off the bandwagon, right? I wish I could have, like, the boyhood, you know, Michigan drinking the Kool-Aid like Matt does right now, but I just, I just can't. So I'm, I, not, I'm, I, I'm not drinking Kool-Aid. I'm just still I'm – not, I'm not punting on them like everyone else is. You should, man. I, they – I don't want. I don't want you. To, I'm your friend. I don't want you to be hurt. You know, come Madison or come Notre Dame or Michigan State. <laughs> Most likely Michigan State, which we'll get into later. I just let punt on it now. Punt on it now, and you're gonna that Michigan State 17 to 14 loss is gonna feel a lot worse. It's gonna feel a lot better than it possibly could. Yeah, I'm... But one more thing. Sorry for. Did I mention where I was in the middle of this game? So their terrible play, or potentially what I ate. Made it so that I literally the whole fourth quarter I had to listen to it on the radio in the bathroom, just blowing up the toilet. I don't know. <laughs> if, I think <laughs> I like to think that it was because of how bad they were playing that it just made me sick to my stomach. But it might have been what I ate. So that so I was listening to it on the radio. Jim Brandstatter, great call. So yeah, that was a little bit TMI, but just for reference. <laughs> well, radio a radio alternative is not so bad. And hearing him and Deerdorf, I'm sure that they were passionate down the stretch, right? They were, yeah. They loved it. They loved it when there was a long pause when Army fumbled at the very last play. They didn't know if they recovered it. I was mid mid wipe, so I kind of like, <laughs> waited a second. And definitely TMI. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's that's how that went. Down. I got one. I got one final comment on the Michigan game, and and again, this is a little bit directed at Matt, just because obviously the glass is definitely half full with you. I'm kind of in the middle on this one, but. Was there ever a feeling during that game that you thought Michigan was playing well? I mean, I, I definitely thought the second half Michigan's defense played well. I mean, they, they didn't allow any points in the second half, and they held 
Army's yards per carry and throughout the whole game was less than their whole season average last year. So I like I think their defense played well in the second half against a very good running offense. I mean, and then they forced a couple turnovers. So Michigan's defense went out and won the game. The offense, no, I, I don't really understand like what the identity of, of the offense is. It was supposed to be this RPO. So that's what I mean. If, if Patterson's not healthy, then yeah, that was completely frustrating. And even in the second overtime, when Michigan was forced to kick a field goal, did you think that there was any way that Army wasn't going to score a game-winning touchdown? I mean, not me. That's what my biggest frustration was. I thought this baby's over, and I'll give it to the defense. They did come up with a huge play and saved their ass. Let me just—I hope, I hope that in that overtime, that Jim Harbaugh decided, you know what, Gaddis, you had your try. Now I'm going to take over. Now, whether or not it worked or not, I would just rather go down with Jim Harbaugh calling plays than what I've seen from Gaddis so far. Well, we will see. This bye week is going to be telling. I know uh, I'm definitely not throwing in the towel. Sometimes that bye week can make a big difference. And on top of that, sometimes going on the road brings a team together. So, Speaking of throwing in the towel, it sounds like that's what Jared was wiping with while he was listening <laughs> to the end of the game. It sounded like he needed a one. A little bit. I was, was going to ask you guys, Jared, you brought up like the fans and you know Army kind of having a cheering section before we move on to MSU and everything. I, I asked, I was texting some buddies during the game, and I was curious. Do you think that when when you're playing Army or Air Force or Navy or you know the service academies, do you think the players like talk trash to those players? Like wouldn't it almost be kind of weird, like you know, talking trash like you normally do during a game, but then you know these guys are like fighting for your freedom. Like, do you think you talk trash the same in those games? You know, I have firsthand experience. One of my buddies may or may not be a manager on a MAC team uh, where they played Army a few times. And I'm not saying that this is funny, but this is the sort of trash talk where you get um, where they lost to Army in which one of the one of the Eastern players yelled, have fun in Iraq. And I'm not saying that that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that might be, that, that might be a good trash talk, yeah, That's over I the guess. line. But I bet I bet the Army players were not talking trash. That would be my guess. Why does everyone have that? Like, that's the same sort of thing. What did you guys think? Why are they allowed to have, like, a whole squadron or platoon on the sideline just going crazy after everything they do? I, I don't know. That was – I get that they're Army. Like I said, I get that they served our country. But this is a football game. And there are rules on the sideline. You can't transport. And I get that they're probably getting honored or something. But if you're going to go crazy on that sideline, you have to be in the stands. You can't have 40 it, guys down there cheering after every play. Is it kind of like, you know, some teams have, or I mean, most schools have cheerleaders, or, you know, sometimes they have like a pep band. I don't, does Army have cheerleaders? I don't, I don't think they do. So, yeah, maybe that was part they have of it. Like a band, you know, on the field with them. I know on the telecast, I mean, they had some, some big general there, or the commandant of West Point was there at the game. <laughs> Superintendent, I think. Is, is what that what it's called? Yeah, I believe he played football for them. I remember they uh, did like a profile on him for a minute. You know, the funny thing is, though, here we are, you know, a day before 9-11. We'll talk a little bit about that later on. But uh, you can't help but be just totally proud of these guys. And and the one thing that you really take away from an Army or a Navy team, and, and you know it's got to be just drilled into them, the discipline, you know. And, you, and you know, you see a team like Lions or Michigan on Saturday, undisciplined at times. You don't see that with a with an Army team. Yeah, not usually. No. No, nine penalties for Michigan. That's a the thing. They're as undisciplined as it gets. Yeah, There's they, just nothing to like about this team right now. Penalties, and they lost three first-half fumbles. You know, two led to touchdowns. I mean, they got to clean that part up. You, you're not gonna. You're not good enough 
to beat the good teams if you're if you're turning the ball over and having a lot of stupid penalties. So I think we all agree on that. Definitely. All right, we'll move things over to uh, Michigan State here. Before we do, I just want to tell our listeners about Advanced Elevator Company. They feature top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators. An area business leader and longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools, and I, I believe they're Spartan fans also. And they're also a proud partner here on Three Point Podcast. Also, the CoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on all that is Corona at CoronaConnection.com. And any business owner out there looking for credit card service, get a hold of card service michiana they offer the best credit card setup and equipment for both new and existing merchants guaranteed to save you money no contract no monthly minimums no early termination fees contact us here at three point pod for further details as you guys know i was at the michigan state versus western game i was covering it Mm -hmm. for fox 17 and i know you're supposed to be you know unbiased and you know kind of like ted the golden age of journalism you know you can't be biased on the sidelines probably I gotta be honest, it was hell on earth sitting through this game where I'm surrounded by Michigan State fans and I'm just watching or Western Michigan just get absolutely smashed. I mean, they talk about a team that walked onto the field and lost it before the game even started. You should have saw this post game presser where they were so chipper and upbeat, the coach is saying how good basically sucking off this MSU team. And along with the players, how this is the best defense they've ever, ever seen in history of football and, and this and that. And I'm just sitting in the back of this p- presser, just like almost throwing up, dry heaving in the back of this, just listening to this. The Max horrible. And my biggest takeaway from this, Michigan State fans basically act like they won the Super Bowl. When did beating Western, and I get that they looked good, when did beating Western become impressive i like they there i remember the michigan state days where that was expected now it's like it's a super bowl of achievement well it's probably become uh more expected now but remember they lost to central michigan a couple times they had to hurt yes but that was central michigan with brian kelly antonio brown and true Dan but LeFever. still but yeah, a bit different of a you know you you talked about uh being on the sidelines and feeling sick because obviously you're not a spartan fan but you did behave yourself though right you kept it under control Yes, 100%. All right. Now, you even though they're playing Western, not the greatest Western team, I was watching it on TV. I was pretty impressed with their quarterback. I thought he threw the ball pretty well. What was it like there on the field? That was what the coach is like. Uh, and I believe the coach's name is Monk, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, not for sure on that. I shouldn't even know his name because of how poorly he looked, uh, how poorly they looked uh, against Michigan State. But, yeah, that was his like main takeaway, saying how his quarterback, he, like he's special and how he was doing a really nice job. Well, and I will say this, like, they should have scored more points than they did. Their kicker missed a couple field goals. They kind of settled for, you know, field goals, and I think they should have probably went for it. And, I don't know, he looked good, but it's, why are we wasting so much time in Western? I mean, the story of this game was Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they opened it up. Lewerke looked good. You know, it looks like they have some pretty decent receivers that we were, we didn't know about. You know, D- Daryl Stewart had 185 yards and 10 catches. Uh, you know, they 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 had some bright spots on offense. Yes, it was against Western, but they worked out some bugs. They needed to do that before they take on Arizona State. But I I thought that was a huge uh, rebound week for D'Antonio. I mean, obviously. He got them motivated, and they look pretty good. And you know, you can say you can diss Western all you want, but they are a Division One school. They play. They have had a pretty good success rate in the last few years. I'm not sure exactly about last year, but I mean, they they've had a run here within the last five years. So it's a big win for MSU, putting 51 on the board. That's what I mean. You're calling it a big win. 
Well, it's a W, and it's it's a it's a it's a turnaround game from week one. Remember, we, we there was nothing that really impressed us with the Spartans in that opener. No, yeah, not, I, I mean the defense. I get what but... both of you guys are saying. Like I, like Jared said, if if you want to be, you know, obviously Michigan State's had a couple down years since they won the Big Ten and everything. But if you want to be an elite team, whooping up on Western Michigan shouldn't make the fans as happy as what it seems it did. But to your point, Ted, I think after seeing the offense in Week One. And then seeing them in week two, I, I mean, you got to be happy with that because whether it's Western or whoever it is, you just like to see a team execute. And that's, I mean, that's what Michigan fans have been upset about the last two weeks. They should feel good that they saw some, you know, they got a freshman running back that had a great game too. So you got that. So the big test, like you said, is Arizona State coming in. Because Arizona State's defense, it's going to be the best defense Michigan State has seen so far. You know, Arizona State's defense is pretty good. So, you know, that, that'll be a good test. The thing, like, with, with this game is, like, Michigan State fans and, I guess, us in general, like, yes, their offense looked good. Brian Lewerke looked good. Uh, their running game looked a lot better than it has in the past. Definitely a lot better than Michigan's, that's for damn sure, regardless of whether they're playing Army or Western Michigan. But it's like, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, just look at some of these max scores from this past week. Buffalo at Penn State. Penn State 45, Buffalo 13. This is the best one. This, might, this one makes you laugh out loud. Fire up chips, right, uh, Ted? Yeah. Central Michigan at Wisconsin 61-0. to UAB, who didn't even have a football program a few years ago, at Akron, beats Akron by 11. Bowling Green at Kansas State, Kansas State 52, Bowling Green 0. So it's like, it's a Mac school. This might be the worst Mac season that I've seen in a while, and I love the Mac. But at some point, state fans just come to grips with the fact that it is Western and that although your offense is good against Western, we're really going to find out what type of team this is this week. Well, it should be a fun game to watch, I think, and uh, I think it's a four o'clock start, so that's a that's a great way to start uh, your your Saturday afternoon and get ready for the evening. Now, another question I have for you on the Spartan game, since you were there covering it, how ugly were those uniforms up close? They looked, and I know the surprise, they looked better in person than I expected. They weren't quite as bad looking on the actual players, like in action, than they looked on that mannequin, like that picture that was going all over Twitter and stuff. But I will say this, a lot of the players were getting asked at the postgame at Michigan State, like, oh, like, was it because of the jerseys? Is that why you guys look so good? And all of them, you could tell that D'Antonio basically gave them a gag order <laughs> to not say anything bad about those jerseys. Because they all kind of, like, would laugh a little bit and say, like, oh, no, those jerseys, they're awesome. And, like, everyone knew, like, they were kind of joking. So I think they got to bring those jerseys back. I mean, you you got to wait, keep wearing those until you, you lose. I think about Michigan State, I'd love those jerseys if I'm a fan because that's the best they've looked in a long time wearing those ugly, atrocious jerseys. Yeah, they were pretty ugly to me, and I thought the big, big-ass state across the front really made them look nasty. Now, I know, Matt, you've been on record of saying <clears throat> you like their white ones, the all-whites, and I agree with you. Those are those are sweet. Oh, yeah, the white helmets with the I, – I just saying with Michigan, I like Michigan's all-white uniforms too. So, But, yeah, you had the white helmet that Michigan State wears sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a cool uniform. But, I mean – yeah, I, I'm kind of with Jared. I mean, if anything, it gets people talking about Michigan State, whether it's good or bad. And then if you go out there and win, then it's, you know, it's kind of like Oregon or Maryland or some of these other teams that have some, like, ridiculously crazy uniforms. If you're wearing them and you're winning, who cares? I, yeah, and so if I'm Michigan State, I'd, I'd wear them, I don't know, every home game this year, you know, whatever. If, if, it, if it's a good luck charm, why not? You know, I'm saving those, and I'm whipping a lot against Michigan. And let me just say, I think if Michigan Michigan State played this week, I think Michigan State them 100% Michigan State's beating them no way of knowing but the way they're playing right now it's, that's not going too far out on a limb I mean Jared you're you're a gambling man and I know I tweeted it out but Vegas hasn't really moved the line very much for Michigan they they're still favored in 
uh, games against Ohio State and Notre Dame, according to Vegas. So not everyone is punting on Michigan like Jared. Well, maybe Jared needs to throw a few bucks down. Against them? Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's the thing. It's called. That's what I like to call the Michigan tax. There's always going to be guys like Matt, guys like my buddy Josh Richardson, who are just going to bet on Michigan no matter how many points they're by. And, and they're count, they count on those guys. We know that Michigan has such a huge fan base. That's why they set the line that high. That's why it hasn't moved, because they're always going to get action on Michigan. Just like Michigan versus Ohio State last year. What, were we favored by seven points against them? Five? Probably shouldn't have been favored by that much. But we'll bet on Michigan no matter what. Well, we'll see what happens down the road. we got a long ways to wait before they tee it up. you got to say one more thing on the Spartans. Mark D'Antonio, uh, he's obviously proven to be the man over there on the sidelines as head coach. He tied Duffy Doherty's mark with 109 wins. And, you know, a lot of that's longevity, of course, but uh, he's got it done over there. He's had, he's had a few down seasons, too, but uh, the guy knows how to coach. Oh, he, he knows how to coach, and that's the thing. I mean, he, he's always been, you know, the, the thing is, like, people always say he doesn't, a lot of times, he has had some really good recruiting classes, but he's not always up there at number one or number two, like Alabama and Ohio State always are. Even Michigan has had some classes up there, up in the top five. You know, Mark D'Antonio, a lot of times he might get one or two five-star guys, but he's developing a lot of the two, three, four-star guys. So it is impressive what he's done at Michigan State because, most people see Michigan State as a basketball school, and rightfully so. Oh, yeah. So it is good. I, I will always say that he has established the program. He, you know, It's not taking anything away from him. A lot of this run, though, has been through a, probably the worst stretch of Michigan football ever with the Rich Rod and Brady Hoke era. And then Penn State went through their whole thing with their, you know, the situation they had to go through, losing scholarships and everything. So I think those two situations did help him. They still had to go out there and win the games, but – Having Michigan and Penn State going through what they did, I, you know, that, I think that definitely helped. How about, um, yeah, Duffy Doherty, quite a coach back in his back in the old days. Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't really go anywhere with that, but no, Duffy Doherty. Yeah, yeah, that goes back to my time for sure. And of course, Duffy, uh, he had he had local ties here. He recruited Brad Van Pelt from Owasso, obviously. Uh, he was friends with Bear Bryant, you know, and and really part of Duffy's success came from the fact that. You know, the African-Americans, they could not play down at Alabama and Mississippi and in the South. So Bear sent some of the top players back up here to Michigan State. And if you look at the dominant Michigan State teams in the mid-60s, you know, Bubba Smith, Clint Jones, Jimmy Ray, some of the others, it was all because of Bear Bryant. It was all because of prejudice back in the day down in the South. And Duffy took advantage of it, and good for him. Yeah, it sounds like he uh, was quite a, yeah, like you said, a lot of those players played on the defensive lines, of which Doherty called, uh, they became known as Duffy Duffies. So, <laughs> quite some, quite a bunch of players right there. Yeah, well, congratulations to D'Antonio. He's obviously going to pass Doherty's mark, whether it's this week or not, but he'll pass it this year. All right, go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house is jam-packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com or sign up for email notifications. Also, you can call Troy Crow at 989-720-SELL for other details. All right, guys, uh, geez, we're, we're getting into heavy football topics, and I think maybe the most depressing of the weekend was the performance by our Lions. Jared, you're, you've been on fire here so far, so why don't you start us off? Yeah, I can start you off. As you guys know, the way I saw it was either it was me at Detroit Lions blowing out the Cardinals, which is what, which is what we thought it was going to be, you know, heading into the fourth quarter, or it was going to be the Kyler Murray coming out party. 
Unfortunately, it, like, really wasn't either of them. Like, there's still a lot of question marks with Kyler Murray. The Lions just looked absolutely atrocious in the four, basically the whole second half. But there was one realization I came to. And this was in the first half when things were going well for the Lions and Matt Stafford. And he had that beautiful, like, moving around the pocket, throw it deep to Danny Amendola play. Matt Stafford's our guy. You know, he might not win a Super Bowl with him. He might not be good enough to win a Super Bowl with. But I'm fine with losing because he's our guy. You know, we drafted him. I'm there with him through the good, through the bad. He's who the Lions need at quarterback. He's our guy. As I said, like, three or four times now, he's our guy. There's just nothing else to say there. But it just... You guys, you guys, I I had already told you that I was kind of punted on this season before it even happened, so I wasn't surprised when the Lions, you know, quote unquote, lioned. So it just, it was just, it was sad to see, and it just kind of reaffirmed everything I knew already knew about Matt Patricia. I mean, I I couldn't agree with you more so far. I mean, it's it's sad, and I I love Stafford too. I mean, he's our guy, best quarterback they've ever had. But I feel so f- sorry for some of these players and us fans as well. I mean, it's just been such a sorry organization and it's just it you, you just expect to blow an 18-point lead in the fourth <laughs> quarter. You just know it's coming. Yeah, I mean, when they went up 24-6 in the fourth quarter and I mean, like you guys said, like they were they were rolling. They played Stafford, good. Stafford was playing. They were actually playing on both sides of the ball really well. The one thing about it, we talked about Western Michigan with Michigan State. I think Arizona <sighs> stinks. You know, I I don't know you know, rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, you know, by the end of the year they might be playing well, but right now the Cardinals aren't any good. So, whatever. To see the Lions playing as well as they were, offense and defense, and Prater was hitting big kicks, like, it it actually felt like the Lions were, you know, looking like a pretty good team. We've watched the Lions enough, especially you, Ted, that to the point where it's like, and they're up 24-6, and you kind of see Arizona start hitting some passes, Murray starts moving the ball a little bit, you start getting that feeling of like, how are the Lions going to blow this? Oh, without a doubt. You just start thinking that. There's no doubt about it. There really aren't any positives from this game. I mean, Matt Stafford, he looked good at like when I tweeted that out, that he's our guy, but then he kind of fell apart later in the game. TJ Hawkinson, That's a I guess the only thing, he's a positive. That's really the only thing. He's already better than Ebron. And I'd love to see Ebron had a big-time drop in the Colts games versus the Chargers, which kind of had a fist bump when I saw that. <laughs> why is it that we hate Eric Ebron so much, like as Lions fan? What was it about him? I, I don't know why I hate him so much, but I, I'm rooting for him more, rooting against him more than anyone else in the entire NFL. I think they, they had drafted Brandon Pettigrew like a couple years earlier with a, a first-round draft pick. Yep. And he was like, okay. But then they spent another first-round draft pick on another tight end in Ebron. So it was almost like... He was set up to fail. Lions fans already like hated him coming in because it was another first round draft pick on a tight end. And then when he started dropping the ball a lot, that was and, you it. know, kind of in some big spots, that he was just doomed. You know, to Lions fans, hundred percent agree. I mean, yeah, the drops are what really doomed him. And then when he left the organization, you know, he just he showed he had thin skin because he let the booze get to him. You know, instead yeah. of just being a professional, collect your check and start catching the damn ball. The other thing with this game, our offensive line looked horrible. I mean, Frank Ragnall was getting ragged all out there. And and I think what's even worse, I think it was the worst offensive line on the field. And that's coming from the other team where one of their linemen literally sacked Kyler Murray. And we tied them. Like, the Arizona Cardinals are terrible. The the Lions already came out for next week. The Ravens are a 14-point favorite over the Cardinals. It's just things are going to go south from here. And although I'm a Matt Stafford guy, if hypothetically we could tank for the first pick, 
I would take Tua Tagovailoa, or however you say his name, with that pick, without a doubt. And I think that that's where Lions fans have to kind of accept that, hey, we're not a playoff team. This team's bad, just like Michigan football. Yeah, well, maybe don't maybe, maybe just kind of punt on this team. Who's going to tank right, better, the Lions or Miami? The, Miami, yeah, I mean, the, the Dolphins look like maybe the worst team. I saw their their odds. I think before the season started, were like five hundred to one to win the Super Bowl. After one game, they're all the way up to ten thousand <laughs> one. So <laughs> Vegas might be looking at them as maybe the worst football team ever. And say, they've I, got like a bunch of players apparently are asking to be traded and everything. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I, I'm not, man, Jared. You're you're pretty cynical for a for a young guy over there. I mean, it's been one game. It was, I mean, it was another Lions way to. I was gonna say lose a game. They didn't lose, but you know, the Lions never. They never short us on all the different ways that they they blow leads in games. But I mean, the rest of the NFC North didn't look all that great. I know Aaron Rodgers is over there, and you know they're probably the favorite. But you know. I'm one game. I'm not going to punt on the Lions after one game. The offense did look good. I'm punting. Outside of I'm punting. Never called that timeout. Outside of did that play, the, the offense game? did look good. I am punting. I'm with Matt, Jared on this. The Cardinals had a lineman tackle Kyler Murray, their own guy. <laughs> I mean, what else? And look, look at this murderer's row of a schedule coming up: Chargers, Eagles, Chiefs, Packers, Vikings. Ouch. And by the way, I looked up, like, I used the term murderer's row a lot, and I wanted to know what it meant. I kind of figured it was, like, maybe, like, 27, Jeffrey Dahmer. 27 Jeffrey Yankees. Dahmer. Yeah, I thought maybe it was, like, Jeffrey Dahmer's, like, murder list or something like that. No, it's the 27 Yankees, one through six batting lineup with, like, Babe Ruth and Garrick. Right. And I think I'm going to stop using that comment because I'm pretty sure that, you know, take any scrub-it-up pitcher for probably in the minors, could probably strike all those guys out with fastballs <laughs> nowadays. So I was, I'm, I'm I was using say, that I was impressed that Jared Especially, was using an old baseball reference. <laughs> but he didn't know what it was. <laughs> right, I right. So I had to look it up, and I just I done using that comment because I don't believe that that was a murderer's row. <laughs> well, I don't know if we have anything else about the Lions. I mean, does Patricia does he, does he last the year? Like I said, I don't know who actually called the timeout. It, the video it looked like Bevel motion for the timeout, but head coaches are the only ones that can call timeout, so I, I mean, Patricia must have been the one to do Plus it. Plus, they hear each he other in the headphones, right? The headsets? Right. And so, it, I mean, they, he must, they must have been talking about it. Yeah. But, Bevel, ha- Bevel has all his physical abilities. Patricia couldn't run on the field to call timeout, so that's probably what happened, in my view. Right. So, I mean, a- after that mess up, if what they do end up, I mean, like you guys are already predicting, if they end up going 5-11 and 11 or something like that, it, it's tough to keep them around, because if that's the case, they you know, they spent a ton of money in the offseason. They they invested a lot in the defense. You know, they drafted a bunch of skill players and, you know, signed some more skill players for the offense. So, I mean, if they, if there's no improvement this year, I, I it, it's tough to fire a guy after two years, but, I mean, it's kind of hard not to. Yeah. I mean. Cash placed the Vegas bets now, 100 to 1 odds. He's the first coach fired. That is, or actually, no, 10 to 1 odds. So, sounds like a lot of people expect him to be fired, too. My problem with Matt Patricia. So this whole, like, training camp, we never really talked about it. He was coaching from a golf cart or a quad of something because he hurt his leg. Listen, I, I, I'm fine. You know, it's your body. Do whatever you want to it. Eat what you want. Like I said, I'm, I, we talked about it before. I'm kind of battling a diet right now. But the second that your diet and just – I'm gonna, and I know that it was like he, like, tore his ACL or something. You can't tell me that it's not because he doesn't weigh 400 pounds. <laughs> the second that your diet starts to affect your ability to coach – is the second I start to have a problem with it. So maybe it's time to change what he's eating. You know, maybe pull the whole Chip Kelly, get a whole all the fruits and vegetables into that facility instead of the Twinkies and donuts that he's probably eating. And also, one more thought on the Lions. 
there was a video circulating the internet on Twitter where Matt Stafford said, "Trust me, you know, trust me." It was like it was in the fourth. It was in the fourth quarter when the Lions were up by eight, and I think they decided to punt on like a fourth and five or something. No, like that. no, it's when they called the timeout. So when they called the timeout, I'm fine with that. Like I would probably agree. Like we should probably trust him more. But when a few minutes later you come on the field and nearly throw a pick six, first off, what were the Lions doing? In the last like minute, like the most half-assed attempt to score I've probably ever seen in my life. Just take the knee, get out of there with the go to overtime. Absolutely. But when minutes later Matt Stafford throws a pass that should have been picked for six and should have lost us the game right on the spot, that's when maybe I think, okay, there's a reason why they're not quite giving you trust. Well, I mean, his mind was his mind was scrambled, Jared. I mean, you could <laughs> you could see that when he went to the sidelines, and then the call that they came up with after that timeout. Where did that's, that come from? That's what I mean. They, they they had the perfect play drawn up to get that first down when they called the timeout, so obviously that's really annoying. But then you you still could have ran a good play after that I know, right. to, get, to get five yards, and they ran all four receivers straight vertical routes. And then he just like <sighs> chucked up a ball, and it was incomplete. And it's like, yo, you can be pissed off that they called a timeout. That's fine, but like, what was that play call? I think that was I, – I think that was – Finally, all all the lion mentality, negativity, all crashed at the same time. They had the game won, right? I mean, Stafford completes that little swing pass out. You don't call timeout. That game's over. Lions win. Then all of a sudden, Stafford sees that. He just lost his mind. I really think he did. And even, yeah. even, even down the stretch when he threw that, should have been an interception, should have been the end of the game. Cardinals should have won it right there. What a fitting way that would have been to lose. I almost wish that would have been picked. That would have been almost like oh. almost like hilarious. I think like it kind of would have been funny. <laughs> kind of wish that that would have been picked. I mean, do you fire you fire Patricia right then and there if that would have happened? <laughs> I, you know, there was a lot of people obviously calling for that, and you know, obviously tough to do that after one game. But right, seeing that, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right, Ted. I think the negativity, you know, just that negative mindset. Yeah, you know, De- Detroit against everybody type of thing. It finally like came in, and I, it's just. I don't know what they were doing in overtime, especially when you watch that Monday night game when Drew Brees drove his team down in, like, whatever, 30 seconds and got him within field goal range and kicked a winning field goal. And then you see what the Lions were trying to do. Like, I mean, what's weird, though, is Stafford used to do stuff like that. He was a guy that would drive the team down, you know, in short short time. But right. That was before he was lionized, man. Now it's, right. now it's in his head. I mean, and it's a good segue right here because I think – I think we've talked enough about the Lions. Jeez, oh, yeah. But uh, you talk about the Monday night game with, with the Saints and Texans and then, you know, go to Sunday night and Tom Brady and the Patriots. I mean, you look at teams like that and how they play under the lights, you know, the spotlight's on them in the national game, and they step up and they show, they show why we love NFL at the top of the list, you know, the, 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 these elite teams and players. What a difference between them and what we see in Detroit. Yep, we started the year on Monday Night Football, right, against yep. the Jets and let a rookie quarterback torch us and Stafford, I think, threw four picks or whatever. Yep. So, you know, in the couple times they've made the playoffs with Stafford, you know, they always come up short, can't ever, like you said, under the lights, just step up and win a game. And you watch, obviously they're on different levels, Tom Brady and some of these other guys, Drew Brees. Oh. But, yeah, just the execution. I mean, you can just tell that – they just look like they deserve to be there. They should be there. They're they're used to the moment, and the Lions can't even close out the Cardinals. <laughs> They're right. Well, that Saints game and that finish of that game, 
I don't know. I don't know how, how to describe it. I mean, that was like a, a sports orgasm. I mean, it was <laughs> it was unbelievable. To yeah. you know, you see Houston come downfield, two passes, they're in the end zone. Looks like they're going to win the game. Then they got roughing the kicker, you know, and missed the mixed the extra point, but got I a second about chance. That part. Yep. And then and a breeze. Three plays later, they win the game on a fifty-eight yard field goal. I mean, it was unbelievable the end of that game. It was. It's just a great game, and it's just two good teams going back and forth, which we we just we we rarely see that as Lions fans. We rarely get to appreciate that, right? And it just it really was. It's Deshaun Watson, Drew Brees, and, and that is why NFL football. I mean, if you needed a re- reminder of why NFL football is so popular and so awesome, it, it was that game. It really was the best game of the weekend, and and I love that seven ten time slot. I do. too. That's what the Monday Night Football game should always be. I forget who initially tweeted it out, but I saw some people say, "Would you would you be for two Monday night games every week?" You know, so I, someone said, "Like take away that Thursday night game." I'm all for it. Yeah, give us two Monday night games, so you guys would like that. I would. I mean, I, when well, I saw that, you wouldn't that even tweet. watch that late game, though. You wouldn't even watch the late game, though. How can you say that, Ted? Uh, you know, that, that part's true, but. I I hardly ever watch the Thursday night. I'd rather watch a college game on Thursday night and and have the. I love the early start on Monday night. I do too. But you didn't watch the Thursday night game, Packers and Bears. Uh, yeah, but that's different. That's the NFL opener. The thing is, it's like I am when people like my. This is what my dad always complains about. Oh, it's like I wish I miss the days when it was all on Sunday. I'm fine with football, watching football every night of the week. What am I going to watch tonight? Look at look at what we're doing. We don't have football, so what are we doing? We're recording a podcast. That's true. I'm if I could have football every night of the week during football season, I, I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be against it. Like, and I know that Ted's probably going to say, "Look, you millennials, you have no like attention span or whatever." But no, it's just I might as well if I'm going to be watching TV, I'd rather be watching that than my fifth time rewatching The Office on Netflix. That's the way I look yeah. at it. Yeah, I think there is something too. It was cool. I mean, Monday Night Football has been around for a long time, but, you know, when it was high school on Friday, college on Saturday, NFL on Sunday, you know, that's kind of cool. But, yeah, I'm with you, Jared. I mean, the Tuesday night action, the Thursday night games, it is cool. You brought up the Pats and, you know, the Patriots just absolutely train wrecking the the Steelers, and then they also get to add Antonio Brown to the offense. Is that just, like, is that unfair? It, it almost is. I mean, I did want to ask you guys your opinion, though. Was this just a, a just an absolute setup, brilliant move by Antonio Brown to make sure that he made his way to the Patriots? I mean, was that all a setup? I, I love how, no, people are so overthinking this, like, Antonio Brown is some mastermind. No, this is the same guy. Are we forgetting that, like, six months ago he, like, bleached his mustache blonde? Yeah. I mean, it's the same guy. He's not some mastermind. He's just a weirdo. He's, he's a, what did you expect from a Central Michigan Chippewa where he goes to Wayside every night and uh, O'Kelly's and that whole spot? It's weird. It's, it's, it's a different – there's different air in Mount Pleasant up there. I don't, there. There's some weirdos that come from there. Yeah, but do you put him in the category of OBJ there with the Browns and he's wearing some orange watch that costs $200,000? I mean, it seems like these guys intentionally do outrageous things – because it just puts their name out there and makes them more money somewhere along the line. I bet you OBJ probably got an endorsement. An oh, he had sponsor to. from that watch. He had to have. I, that was awesome. See, like that's I think that's might be where the age just becomes a OBJ wearing that watch now was awesome. Now granted you can't go out and lose by thirty <laughs> when you do that. And you probably have to like score two touchdowns and like receive like two hundred yards for it to really work. 
but it's still an awesome look. And and I wasn't against that, but with the second that Antonio Brown, you know, does all this stuff, there's and I know that this might surprise you as somebody who's like on social media all the time, kind of my my generation, what we do. But at some point, like Antonio Brown posting basically everything of his life onto Instagram and creating like a whole movie out of a phone call with John Gruden, like it gets a little bit too much yeah. for me. Well, certainly it's, gonna be, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes down through the season with Belichick and Brady there. They're all, uh, it's uh, it's a honeymoon right now. Let's see what happens down the stretch, but I'll tell you what, they are loaded. And yeah, he... it's a honeymoon right now, but one of my buddies made the point that the, the difference with the Patriots is, you know, these, these guys, these divas, you know, whatever, they can, they can come in. If they try to big-time Belichick or Brady or the Patriots organization, they'll just show you the door. Like, they don't, they don't care how good you are. They don't care that you're Antonio Brown catching over 100 balls a year the last seven years or whatever. You know, if you're going to try and play that act on them, you know, you go ahead. You can get out of here. They'll be all right with that. I also – I'm with you, Jared. I like the watch look. I thought that was cool by OBJ. Uh, Rafa Nadal did the same thing in the U.S. Open Championship. He was wearing – the same brand of watch, but his was like eight hundred thousand dollars. Oh my so, god! You know, I, 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 thought, I think it's a cool look. <laughs> it's unreal. You know, yeah, wait, well, well, uh, well, not sorry to cut you off, but I was just curious. So we never really, I never really got. I think we did talk about the Antonio Brown helmet thing. But how did you feel as somebody who bet, played back in the nineteen seventies or whenever you played? <laughs> like, how does it feel to know that he wanted to wear a helmet that, like, he he refused to wear a helmet that's up to today's standard because he wanted to wear. One that actually, I think that, that helmet that he had before then was like a 2005 type helmet. What hel- I guess basically my main question here is, what helmet did you wear, and did you have a bar down the middle? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't have a bar down the middle. Uh, I can't remember the brand that we had at Corona in those days, but uh, they definitely were not the safest helmets around. Let's put it that way. <laughs> leather? Were they? Oh, no, they weren't leather, but they were hard plastic. <laughs> Yeah, but they did have face masks. I, at I least. always wondered sometimes, and I'm not knocking anything, you know. I, but I always wondered sometimes how often our helmets got checked, you know, like safety regulations. And Never, because <laughs> right? there were some some helmets that were getting passed out, you know, in the summer before the season started. That I was like, man, it looks like this thing's about to fall apart the first time someone cracks a head. I don't know if you guys ever wore that. We we had this. I know you guys didn't wear these helmets. When we were in eighth grade. We had these big, giant, egghead-looking type of helmets. I don't know where they got those from, but they were the nastiest-looking things ever. I mean, they definitely looked like uh, you were. If you took the face mask off and just wore the helmet, you'd definitely look like an alien from outer space. <laughs> the thing I remember back in youth, we had a helmet, and this is probably like Matt's varsity, like what he probably wore. It was the helmet where if you looked at the inside of it, like the padding, it had like a little red, little like webbing on the inside that you could dig out and like pump up with air to make it fit your helmet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a huge deal. Like when I probably about my freshman, sophomore year, those helmets came out that you could pump up. It was like the coolest thing to have your helmet on and your coach or whoever like pumping up your helmet. I don't know why. It was cool. (laughs) And I just remember guys on my team used to, like take those like pump up things out of the helmet and like when the coach was talking or something they would just put those on their, <laughs> they would just put those on their head like a, like a hat and they just thought it was the funniest thing in the world oh i guess it was pretty funny but how helmets have changed yes they have well before we move on i did have one question it kind of kind of slides into uh entertainment tonight but since we're talking football uh did you guys get to see the whole hard knocks and what'd you think of this season i before jared chimes in i honestly didn't see one bit. So some clips on Twitter, mm-hmm. but I didn't watch one episode. 
it, it it was a like there's no there's no such thing as a bad episode of Hard Knocks. Uh, it's kind of like how there's no such thing as a bad piece of pizza, but compared to the Cleveland Browns season from a year ago, it just wasn't even near as good of a as good of as television. It was it was it was still must watch, but it just wasn't as good. Uh, if it wasn't for John Gruden, this it would have been almost unbearable. Oh, I will say I gr- that though, he was basically the one shining star of this season. I agree with your assessment there, one hundred percent, Jared. I mean, it was it was the Gruden show, and it was uncensored Gruden, which was awesome. I would have chimed in for sure or checked in. When if if the season was still going with the whole Antonio Brown thing went oh. down, when him and Mayock were fighting and everything, right? That was on Hard Knocks. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been a good one to come back and say, "Hey, let's do one more episode." You know, and I also know one at one time you talked about this. Wouldn't it be cool if HBO somehow came up with the money and was able to broadcast one game a week, completely uncensored, with microphones picking up everything? How awesome would that be? I'd, I'd be a hundred percent in. I would, I would pay pay per view prices to watch that. Especially yeah. NFL would be awesome, but especially really any sport. A baseball game that would be cool to just listen to the players talking. You know what, like they do on the base pass and stuff. NBA though is the one I would love to see the NBA do that. Oh, that'd be Hear, awesome. hearing the dudes talk on the court. But yeah, I feel like yeah, it's a lot to listen more... to Tom Brady at the line, Drew Brees at the line, or like Peyton Manning back when he played at the line of scrimmage making all their audibles and calls, and that's all you're listening to. You're listening to D-Line talk trash. You're listening to Ray Lewis say the stuff that he used to say. Like, oh, man, that that would be amazing. But obviously, that's probably never going to happen. <laughs> well, it'd have to be on something like HBO. It would have to be HBO or, yeah, or pay-per-view, right? Yep, yep. I feel like in terms of like the NBA versus – I think the NBA would be a lot more willing to do that than the NFL, but it would just be unbelievable. That's why I've always wanted to like just somehow – way be able to like listen in on a headset even if it's i've never ever worn a headset like during a football game even if it was a high school just to like have that headset on and kind of know exactly like oh like what play is gonna be called before the snap i don't know i've always thought that would be awesome all right i think we've covered football enough let's move it on i think uh it's been a while since we've had entertainment tonight i got a couple things i want to talk about so before we get to that <clears throat> i just want to remind our listeners rivals tap house and grill is the official sports bar of three point podcast every thursday is bike night at rivals with specials all evening long and definitely don't forget the first of the month party five buck burgers and chicken sandwich baskets dollar bottled beer great deals awesome food and drink that's rivals tap house and grill in corona all right this I guess technically doesn't fall into entertainment, but I did want to bring this up because there's a there's a show debuting on the History Channel on Wednesday night, and ironically enough, 9-11, today is 9-10, but it's called 9-11 Inside Air Force One, and older people will remember that on that day, you know, President Bush, he was in a classroom talking to some kids, uh, his advisor came over, whispered in his ear about the attack on the trade centers, and, you know, they whisked him out of there, and he hopped onto Air Force One, and everything was top secret where he was going to go, and there's a special on the History Channel, 9 o'clock on Wednesday night, inside Air Force One. I'm intrigued by that. I think it would be very interesting to see what exactly went on. But the question I have for you guys, I know Matt's old enough to remember the actual 9-11. Jared is not. And this being a three-point podcast, three different generations, I'd like to get your guys' opinion on that day in history here in this country that we're still fighting terrorism. But you know, maybe for Matt, what you remember of that day, and for Jared, I just want to ask a question of you. 
How do you look at 9-11? I mean, how, how, how do you digest all that since you, were, I think, were two years old when it happened, but you know it's there every September coming around and, you know, and we're still fighting the battles in Afghanistan. Let's start with Matt. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely remember it. Uh, I was a junior in high school, so, you know, old enough to remember what was going on. I don't know if I was old enough at the time to, like, grasp, you know, how serious it was, how big of a deal it was. You know, because I'm in high school, just kind of worried about myself or sports or whatever I was worried about. But I definitely remember walking down the hallways, going to a class, and all of a sudden, you know, you hear some teachers or some people start kind of running around. You could just tell, like, you know, there was a feeling that, like, something was up. And, you know, I got to a class, and on the TVs in our classrooms for the rest of the day, we had the, you know, whatever news channel on watching the news coverage. Didn't do anything for, I think, even the next day. All we did in class was watch CNN or, you know, whatever news channel we had on of the coverage. And I just remember thinking, like, in my lifetime, I had never, you know, like, experienced something like that before, you know, that just, like, swept over the nation. I mean, I'm just, like, thinking of something that like the O.J. trial or the O.J. chase where something where, like, everyone in the whole country is watching the same thing. That that was, like, my first experience of something like that. So it was really strange to see, like, my teachers – and then go home and see my parents emotional about it, you know, and see, like, how serious of uh, an event it was. And that's what really made it hit home is seeing how it affected other people. And, you know, one thing I've always thought is you see the patriotism that comes out after an event like that, you know, and, like, the President President Bush going out and throwing the first pitch and, you know, the World Series and all all these things that happen to show the patriotism. And, you know, sometimes I would think, like, it's a shame that it takes something like that for people to feel the pride and stuff about uh, the country they live in. Oh, no doubt about it. Before I get to Jared, I, I just wanted to chime in on that. I mean, I, you know, we follow social media pretty closely, and, you know, there's a lot of nonsense and political stuff that we have to go through on Facebook and Twitter. But the one quote that I thought was so appropriate is, you know, you remember what this country was like on nine twelve. I mean, this country pulled together, you know, patriotic like you're talking about. I mean, it was an unbelievable feeling of togetherness that we've kind of lost. So I, that was an interesting, interesting quote to say, hey, why can't we be more like we were on 9-12? But on 9-11, I was actually on a sales trip to, uh, I had to go through uh, Wisconsin, and I was actually ended up in Minnesota, and I was at a city council meeting uh, trying to sell an air pollution control system, and it was in a, in, a, in the council meeting doing our pitch, and somebody said, hey, a plane crashed in the World Trade Center, and we all thought it was a small plane like a lot of us did back then. And then when we, we got done with the meeting came downstairs to the reception area, you know, they had it on a little TV on the refrigerator there, and the second plane crashed, and you just knew that it, at that time, if you'd been following the news, you knew it was Bin Laden. So here I am in Minnesota. Fortunately, I had driven because all airports were shut down shortly after that. So I had to drive from, uh, it was almost Minneapolis to Chicago and had it all on on my radio, nonstop coverage, and hearing, hearing all the details and, you know, the, the news people talking about what was happening. And it was a weird situation. It was It was like totally clear outside quiet you know outside no planes or anything and i just could not wait to get to my motel in chicago so i could actually see what the hell happened and i remember putting the tv on i had a sales meeting the next day but pretty much watched 
television coverage all night long. And I'll never forget that day. That's, you know, our my parents' generation, they'll never forget Pearl Harbor. That's obviously my generation's, the day you'll never forget. Uh, OJ, you throw that in there because it was a big national story. But Jared, you know, being the young guy, being basically 20 years old, going on 21, you were just a young fella. Obviously, you weren't aware of what was going on there. But what are some of your thoughts on this day and, you know, what it means every year? Well, I could listen to people tell stories about, like, you know, where were they when 9-11 happened. I could listen to those stories all day. I don't know. I find them really interesting. Same thing. Although, like, I wasn't alive when 9-11 happened, I bet you I've seen as much of that, like, TV footage mm-hmm. and stuff just from, you know, history lessons, just from me going down, like, YouTube, like, rabbit holes. It, right. It's an interesting, like, topic, and it's, like, sad. And there's just, I don't know. It, 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 like you guys said, it's, it brings the country together, it brought the country together, and it's kind of one of those things where my generation really doesn't have anything like that. And I guess it's a good thing. That's a good thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a good thing that we don't have something like that, and you just... It's just one of those things that you know. Thankful for that, but it's also, I just it, like I just said, it's just it's one. It just seems like interesting, and it's just kind of a crazy. It's just crazy that that's. I just can't picture like how you guys felt like when that happened. Like I just can't even fathom, because like I, I I look at that and I say, oh like, you guys didn't know like oh like that was a single attack. Like that was the only thing that happened. Like but you guys at the time you didn't know like if it was going to keep happening or if oh no I, I don't know if something else was going like you just I don't like that that would have been pretty scary. We we thought. We thought it was the start of World War Three, and possibly, yeah. possibly the end of the world. I mean, seriously, that's how that's how serious it was. Yeah, and that's I guess that that was the point I was trying to make. Like, you know, I was old enough to remember it vividly, young enough to maybe be dumb enough not to like really understand what was going on initially. But when I saw my teachers and then you know my parents and other grown-ups reacting the way they were and then even hearing some people talk about like you were ted you know is this world war three is there going to be a draft you know is there going to be all this other stuff talking about you know all these things that might be happening that's when it really started to hit like you know because that you know in history class you you know learn about wars and all the other stuff going on and it was like holy shit is this is this about to happen again am i about to go through this Right, right. Yeah, well, it was a it was a terrible day in this history, in this country's history, for sure, and one we'll never forget. You know, lighten it up a little bit here. And entertainment tonight, I like to talk about different things in the world of entertainment. And you know, debuting tonight, you saw my tweet earlier that uh, you know I got the DVR set uh, thirty for thirty on Dennis Rodman. It debuts on the ESPN Family and Networks. Uh, what's the initial scuttlebutt on uh, on this new episode? I mean, I'm pumped, and we, we've talked about it before. Any any 30 for 30, you know it's going to be good. It's one of those, you know, season tickets like we've thrown out there before, season tickets to 30-30. You're smart if you do that because anything 30 for 30 puts out is going to be good. And obviously we're a little more closer to this because of Rodman. He had, you know, started his career with Detroit and the bad boys and everything, so a little more interest in it right there. But uh, I, the, the director of it, uh, Todd, Kapotsky, I always mess up pronouncing his last name, but I actually I worked with him eight years ago, nine years ago. He was just a PA cutting highlights for Sports Center, and I had to edit some of his highlights. But he was definitely one of those kids that I was like, he was really good. You could tell he was going to go on to do something great. So it's really cool to see someone that I you know had a little bit of an interaction with, a, a little bit of a, a friendship with that long ago, directing something like this. The thing I, that I don't about this di- documentary is I saw a quote where Dennis Rodman said that he at one point for three years he was more popular than Michael Jordan. 
And I just hear that, and, and I, I wasn't alive at the time, but I just say bullshit. <laughs> I, so I guess I'm just curious, is that true? I don't know if he was more popular. I, I will say this. He got it. He got his name uh, in in uh, newspapers and television a lot. I mean, he, he got a lot of publicity there when he went started to go wacko. Yeah, I mean, maybe to that sense, maybe he was, you know. Maybe not popular in the sense of, like, you know, obviously basketball success, basketball greatness, but he was that guy that was leading – Sports Center, leading whatever yeah. news story or whatever, because he was either hooking up with Madonna or he was marrying himself, you know, putting on a wedding dress and marrying himself or, you know, all this other stuff. So maybe in that sense, he was for a couple of years. Yeah. Well, in his hair before every game and, you know, all that. It, it was kind of crazy watching him play. I'd like to know what really went beyond, you know, how he turned from being just this really nice kid, you know. Uh, with the Pistons when he was a rookie and, you know, a young player with the Pistons and then how he became this outrageous player. It almost makes you wonder, was there, you know, was it booze? Was it drugs? Was it just the fame? You know, what turned Dennis Rodman from being apparently this really nice guy into this outrageous person? I guess we'll find out on the documentary. Yeah, that, that's, that is exact, that's a great tease right there. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would guess that's exactly what we're going to find out. Yeah, absolutely. I got one, uh, one more. One thing, Go ahead, one, Jared. One, one thing I just hope that they do talk about, I mentioned it before, uh, he's broke his dick twice. So be interested <laughs> to see how that happened. And you think that'll make the cut? <laughs> I think it will. It, they might just like reference it like for like five seconds. I don't think they're just going to be a whole – you know, segment devoted to it, but you have to mention that if you mention Dennis Rodman. I guess so. Uh, two other quick things, real quick here. A movie I saw on on demand, HBO on demand. Uh, I don't think I talked about it with you guys before. Called The Mule, with Clint Eastwood and Bradley Cooper. Did you guys see that movie back when it was out? No, but Toby movie. Keith played a uh, song that he created for that movie, and that song was horrible. Well, the song might have been horrible, but the movie was good. Clint Eastwood was absolutely tremendous he played this you know 85 year old former uh florist who uh you know never really paid much attention to his family and you know he's winding down his life and just by happenstance he you know by chance he uh, ran into a couple drug dealers and he became a, a drug mule and Eastwood put on just a tremendous performance as the mule, and Bradley Cooper, very solid as an FBI agent, kind of a smaller part for him. But if you ever get a chance to see it, I, I recommend it. That's a that's a probably two point eight on the Entertainment Tonight scale. Doesn't that movie have a lot of like back in my day, like we weren't on our phones, like <laughs> that sort of humor and stuff? To a it. little bit, a little bit, not a lot of it, but it, it was it, yeah, there was a little bit of that. It was also how he dealt with these just vicious drug lords you know and, and clint was cool this was this was clint at his classic so i, I enjoyed it yeah you know, not bad they say i believe that's his final movie he's going to act in too so i definitely you should check it out one final thing on showtime i, I bartman uh, my partner on radio on ball games uh, hit me up on this it's a show called city on a hill it's a showtime production it's a it's a about the the mob kind of in Boston, and it, it's got Kevin Bacon in it. I just saw the first episode, and I'm hooked. So I'm going to be checking that one out. More details as we go along on that one, but City on a Hill on Showtime. Check it out. All right, there's one other production. Uh, this is a local production that uh, was unbelievable. It's a documentary. Uh, we all graduated from Corona. And, you know, we all know that the Corona Cavaliers 1983 team won the state championship. But a team that doesn't get a lot of publicity is the 1980 squad. 
that really was uh, Frank Davis's team that kind of broke through and and kind of started to make the Cavaliers, you know, a basketball school. And Brother George, bless his heart, put together a digital scrapbook, complete documentary of that team's rise to greatness and kind of set the stage for the 83 team. If you're from Corona and, and knew the kids like Phil and East, George, Jeff Raleigh, you know, uh, Koenig, I mean, it'd be worth watching. But I got to tell you, George does not believe in edit. And this baby was, I think, three hours long, three different, wow. three different parts. That's almost impressive. It the fact is. That he was able to get three hours of you know that team is, and, and it's a good team. Obviously, that's why the documentary is good. Uh, it's it, it's really good. But, I mean, you you probably want to watch it in parts. You know what I mean? Little pieces here and there. But uh, it, he does inter- has interviews with the players. He has good narration. He has good graphics. It's definitely worth checking out. So George Fatel on YouTube. You can check it all out. I guess we'll end it with that. Does he have? Is there some game footage? I mean, there's um, probably lim- limited game footage back then. But it's... yeah, they didn't. He didn't really have game footage. He had photos of games, you know, and then narration over it. He had music. Part of his problem by putting it on YouTube, he had some songs that they wouldn't allow, you know, copyrighted. Okay. So we had to do some further editing, but uh, definitely worth checking out. One eighty. For 1980, the 180 is the Cavalier basketball program did a full 180. How about that? Well, finally, next up, let's see what's going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter. We haven't heard from him in a while. Jack Strap. Matt, Fred, Jerry, I think with age comes wisdom, and I'm full of it. So I'm here tonight to provide some well-needed perspective and wisdom concerning our lovable lions and woeful wolverines. As fans, we must take responsibility for the disappointment we feel in our heart this morning, watching the wolverines who barely escaped defeat from the middle of Tennessee and Army. That's right, guys. We are to blame. But you may say, Jack, why am I to blame? Well, let me share it this way. If you date a girl you met on instanthookup.com in September, should you be surprised if your doctor informs you that you have herpes at Christmas? And if you own a giant pet python, should you be surprised you come home from a hard day's work to find that your little dog Rover is missing? And if you attend a Me Too fundraiser with a Trump mega hat on, should you be surprised if profanities are directed at you or if you get kicked in the balls? I say no. If you've been a Detroit Lion fan for three seconds, should you be surprised that they are capable of blowing an 18-point fourth-quarter lead to a team that finished 3-13 and in 2018 in a game that featured an all-time NFL record-setting performance by a tight end, and oh, did I mention the fact that the Cardinals' comeback was directed by a rookie coach and a rookie quarterback? If you watch the Wolverines get trounced by Ohio State 62-39 to less than 12 months ago, guys, should you be surprised that Middle Tennessee played competitive football with them and that a good Army team should have beat them? I say hell no! My commentary is so smart, fellas, yet I feel so empty inside. I guess I I find no joy in sharing logic, so I think the next time I 
call in, guys. Uh, I'll go into full illogical fan mode and rant and rave and holler and scream because it makes me feel alive. Like all you losers out there. So, to the Wolverines, I say fire Brady Hoke and bring back Lloyd Carr. And speaking of cards, Ford has another Pinto on their hands in Patricia. Great coaches make halftime adjustments, so look at the results. Our team, coached by Tr- Patricia, played flat in the second half, resulting in a lot of questions, while the Cardinals and their rookie coach found all the answers. All right, guys, I got to go to the doctor. I got this little rash in my groin area. I got to check out. See you later, guys. Well, darn it. Good to hear from Jack again. All right, that'll do it for now. Subscribe and rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all the others. Follow and comment to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 3 Point Pod. Make sure to support our 3 Point Podcast partners, Main Street Pizza, Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, and Card Service Michiana. Also be sure to check out our friends at Sports Radio Detroit for their great variety of programming and Z92.5 The Castle. Also big thanks. This has been a three-point podcast production with special thanks to Sportsnet Michigan and WJSZ Radio. Until next time, thanks for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast. She never kept the same address In conversation She spoke just like a baronet Met a man from China Went down the Gation line Then again incidentally If you bet Perfume came naturally from Paris Because she couldn't get less She's a killer